Amen. Amen. So here we are in first Peter chapter one, we're going to be beginning in verse number 16 and we're looking at uh, this passage here that, that the apostle Peter wrote. Now he's, as we begin, we're, he's quoting an old Testament scripture, but let's begin with this verse 16. He said, because it's written, be ye holy for I am holy. I wanted to start there because a lot of people skip those verses about holiness today, uh, but God is, is and always has been holy, and he always will be holy, and his people are holy. So we want to begin there just to, just to show you that's the bar of where God is, and anybody that God's working in, he's calling them to a place of holiness. The Bible tells us in Hebrews uh, chapter 12 that without holiness... None of us will see the Lord. So if, you're, if you have no desire to be holy, you need to allow the Holy Spirit to continue working on you because God's holy, and if he's working in you, he's going to put in you a desire to be holy. Amen? And so that's part of uh, working out what God's working in. Some of us, we don't work out what God's working in. We, we just sit back and flip the remote control, and we just let the good times roll. But God calls us to work out what he puts in. He doesn't call us to be holy in and of ourselves. He calls us to be holy through the work of Jesus Christ and what he's done in us. It's a big difference. And continuing in this, you'll see this unfold. It says in verse number 17, And if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons, judgeth according to every man's work, past the time, of your sojourning here in fear. Powerful verse. Sojourning is the concept. We are sojourners in this life. The, the, the word of God is teaching us here that this world is not our home. We're not here to make this world better. We're passing by. We're passing through. And God has called us to remember that we're only traveling. We're only traveling. We're not, we're not pitching our tents here. We're, we're striving to go home to where the Father is. And, and so sometimes we get confused about those things, but the Lord wrote that, and you see the example in the Old Testament, but God has called us to be pilgrims and strangers in this world. This world is supposed to be a pilgrim and a stranger to us, and we're supposed to be a pilgrim and a stranger to it. But it's kind of convoluted. It's not just in our generation. It's always been that way. God's people have always intermingled into the world, and God has always resisted it, and God has always rebuked it, and he still resists it, and he still rebukes it. So one thing that we have to remember is that God has called his people to be set apart, holy unto him, remembering this world's not our home. We're going to exit this life one day. We're going to exit this life one day. There will be a day that each and every one of us draw our last breath. And on that day, we're going to step into eternity, either eternal life or eternal damnation. And God has called us to remember that not to put all our eggs into this basket. 
We, we have to remember that we have to put our eggs in eternity. How, how foolish would it be to live for this life when this life is, as Solomon teaches us, but a vapor? This life is but a vapor, but it is mostly what most people think about. Um, one of the things that the uh, Jewish uh, guys used to do in, in, in Israel is whenever they would build a home, one of the traditions that they would do is they would only build a home and finish three of the four walls. Three of the four walls. And you say, why? Why did they only do that? They left one wall completely unfinished because it reminded them that this world is not their permanent home, that they're going to a permanent home and that this ain't it. <laughs> Amen. And some of us that have unfinished walls, we say, now I know why I did that. Some of us, we have unfinished projects at home and honeydew lists that just keep stacking up, you know. And now you know there might be a spiritual reason why you're not finishing your honeydew list. Come on. <laughs> Amen. God working in you. You didn't even know it. See, you, you, might, you, might, you might say, I, you know, that honeydew list, I just can't get anything knocked off of it. It's the Holy Spirit reminding you this world's not all that there is. Amen. So we're sojourning, and it says here in fear. That, that is, to, to be mindful that you're supposed to walk on the path that God has for you while you're here. You're not supposed to, you're not, in other words, if you were traveling to another state, you wouldn't go buy a home in it. You have to remember, you're just traveling through, and at some point, you're going to come back home. And at some point, God's going to call you home. God, this, this is the other state that you travel to on vacation. And at some point, it's time to turn around and go home. Some of us, our trip is going to get cut shorter than we want it to. Some of us, our trip gets cut really short. We, we had a baby that passed away, you know. We had a miscarriage. Some, of, some trips are real short. Some of us live long lives. But you know what? In all each one of us are going to face that day where we go back home to the Lord. Amen. We all face that day where we go back home to be with the Lord. And so he says to pass that time of your sojourning here in fear, not fun. It's a big difference. Fear, not meaning being afraid, but walking the steps that God would walk. Walking in fear means being mindful that you're walking as God directs. A lot of stories that, and examples of that, but the picture would be uh, a, a father walking in the snow and a child following those steps and walking in those same footprints. Being mindful that if you, if you get outside of that, you could you know, get off track. But, but it's so important to walk in fear following the Lord's direction as you sojourn. Because if you don't follow the Lord's direction, you know whose direction you're following? The prince of the power of the air. If you're not walking in this life in fear, you're deceived by the devil even now as we speak. We're either following in fear a holy God living as he has us to live or we're following our own cares, our own ambitions, and our own desires of which God never calls us to do. He calls us to live this life sojourning in fear. Amen. 
Some of us, we, we, we have to understand uh, what that fear means. With the, you know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. If you're, if you're not willing to fear God, you, you won't follow God. You can't follow God and not fear God. Because if you try to follow God without fearing God, there will come a point where you choose self over God. You, no matter what you go through in life, there will be different tests. There will be, you know, some of y'all are tested just by me being pastor. You know, you're like, oh, he's always talking. Some, but some of us are tested by our children or our spouses or our bosses or our coworkers or, you know, our bills or whatever. Some of you are tested by your animals in your home or something. But we all face different tests, and if we don't follow Christ, if we're not walking in fear of him, if we're not following the commandments of God, there will come a point where we choose self over whatever issue we're being tested in. Okay, So that's why it's important to follow in the Lord's leading, to fear God and to walk as a sojourner through this life. Now, continuing in verse 18, it says, For as much as you know, do you though? Listen to this. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. And I want to stop right there for a second and, and, and go ahead and look at this verse number 18. He says that you were, re, you, you were redeemed not with corruptible things but with the precious blood of the lamb. You know what's amazing about this verse? The thing that sticks out first and foremost is he's talking about the precious blood of the lamb, the precious blood of Christ, the, the precious blood of Christ. Do you know that most of the time today, a bloodless gospel is preached? But if it's a bloodless gospel, it cannot redeem you. And I'm going to show you why. It has to be a bloody gospel that redeems because that's the way God set it up. God said that you were not redeemed with things corruptible. What that means is anything that you can look at, feel, touch, those things are corruptible from a car to a watch, to a piece of gold, to a dollar bill, to a church denomination, to a, a church, a, a say, you got a certificate saying you're saying, all those things are corruptible. Anything that was generated, I want you to hear this, anything that was generated from this earth is corruptible because the whole earth has been corrupted by sin. So when God redeemed you, he chose to redeem you with something, listen, not of this world. He had, he had to play the trump card, if you will. Now, one of the things that I want you to see is in redeemed, it means to buy you. To redeem something means to buy it back or to, to, to purchase it. 
And most people don't even know that they needed to be redeemed because they didn't even know that they were sold. They didn't even know that they belonged to anybody. But the Bible says that we were under the power and dominion of darkness. We were under the power and dominion of darkness, but we've been translated as believers into the kingdom, into the light of the dear Son, Jesus Christ. But most of us don't realize that until somebody's born again, they are in bondage to the darkness. And the only way somebody can go from the darkness into the light is that they receive the payment that Christ made in redeeming them and purchasing them, listen, from the hold, from the stronghold of Satan. The payment that Christ paid released the grip of the devil off of your life. He has no authority over those whose, whose soul has had that precious blood applied to. But if the blood hasn't been applied, guess what? He's still got a hold. He's still got a claim on your life. It's only those who the blood has been applied to the soul can say, I'm redeemed. I've been purchased. I've been bought with a price, the price of the Lord Jesus Christ's blood. Now, why is that important? Well, first off, he's, t he's telling you in this verse 18, you, you weren't bought with something corruptible. In other words, if, if God could use a tree or a gold coin to buy you, it would be purchasing with something that's already been corrupted by sin. Everything that exists on the earth has been corrupted by sin. It's an important concept to get. You got to comprehend this. Everything that you can everything that you see has been infected by corruption. It is existing, but it's existing in a vacuum and it's on a slow route to death. From the trees outside the buildings to the grass, to the birds, to anything that you can think of, cars, it's all corruptible. Every, every time a weed grows, you may, you may be like, I wish those weeds weren't growing. Just wait, they'll die. They, they've been infected by corruption. People have been infected by corruption. Animals have been infected by corruption. All of creation has been infected by corruption. So everything that has been, listen to this, everything that has been made has been infected by sin and corruption. So when God goes to purchase your soul and buy you back from dominion of the devil, how many of y'all want to get released from that? When God goes to buy you back and say you have no more hold, God is not going to use something that's been created because everything that's been created has been corrupted. He said you have not been redeemed with things corruptible. You have not been redeemed with things corruptible. Now let me show you something. Hold your place there and turn with me to Romans chapter 5 real quick. Because we, we're going we're gonna to drill this down. Just, we're going to dig in and go just a little bit deeper on this. It's okay to go deeper in a message. 
It's okay. We're going to see right here in Romans chapter 5 that sin truly has infected all of creation. So this is a, a, a powerful verse. One of the things that, that I want you to see is we'll begin with verse uh, number 11. It says, and not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement. The atonement, it, it basically means that the debt has been satisfied. The debt has been satisfied. And we know from our other verse, the debt's been satisfied by something otherworldly. Something otherworldly, something not of this world, something not that has not been corrupted already. We've been atoned, our sins have been atoned, not by us and not by things in this life. Look at this. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world. How many of y'all know who that one man is? First Adam, right? By one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. You see, it, it, death did not exist in the earth until sin came into the earth. That's what the Lord's teaching you right here. When God created the heavens and the earth, he said, it's good. And you know what? He didn't lie. It was good. When God made man and woman, do you know that God didn't intend for them to die? The way that God created the creation was that it would never die. It was through man's rebellion that we opened the door to death. What the Bible's teaching us right here is that through Adam's disobedience, he opened the door to sin and death came on sin's heels. So, Look what he says, that death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Death came upon all. There was no death until Adam's sin. And then once Adam sinned, death infected everything. If you go over to Romans chapter eight, it says all creation, all creation is longing to be redeemed. It cries out, it groans. You can't hear it, but Jesus even said that if we didn't worship, even the rocks would cry out and worship Jesus Christ. All of creation longs for redemption. The only people that don't are folks like us. Rebellious, rebellious mankind. But all of creation longs and groans for that day that Christ purchases everything and makes all things new. Now the payment's been made and the day of reckoning's coming. He's gonna come and, and claim what is his. And from this day till that day, we live in that day and that generation that we call the church age. It's that time of grace where God is gathering his children home, where he's telling us the trip of sojourning is almost over. It's time to come home. And, and notice here, he says that through Adam's sin, death comes. That sin infected everything from trees to grasshoppers to birds. Sin 
leapt on all of God's wonderful creation. And so if God's going to redeem us, he cannot use something that's been infected by sin. He's going to use something that has been incorrupted or incorruptible. That's the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's the blood of Jesus Christ. So let's go back over there to 1 Peter and let's talk about the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ is so powerful. Now he says in verse, uh, he said that you, you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. That's something made uh, from your vain conversation or received by tradition. From your father. So it's not, you, you can't, look, the thing that makes you right with God, it cannot be something that comes from religion. It cannot be something that comes from your pockets. You cannot earn right relationship with God Amen. through your works or your gifts. You cannot earn a right relationship with God, but you know what else? You can't get set free from the devil either. Amen. There's no freedom to those outside of Jesus Christ. The, the, the redemption is the purchasing back, the translating from darkness to light, and there is no possible way, there's no authority for chains being broken in your life outside the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You try to get set free from an addiction or a bondage. You try to get set free from a, a, a tormenting spirit or something that's haunting you from your past. You try to get set free from some sin issue in your life doing anything outside of the blood of Christ being applied to your soul, it won't work. It is only psychology whenever you try to use your effort, when you try to use your wisdom, when you try to say, well, I've been going to church for 18 years and I've never missed a Sunday morning. I've never missed a Wednesday class and I'm not, you know, th therefore... I cannot have the, that's not how it works. God's not impressed by that. God's impressed by faith. Faith in Christ's blood. It, more specifically, what impresses God is faith in the atoning work of Christ's blood. Okay, so what we see here is that it, the blood is called precious. You know what's sad is that today, a lot of people don't even preach the blood of Jesus anymore. Uh, today, you, you might hear cute messages, you might hear this, you might hear that, but we hardly ever hear about the atoning, redeeming blood of the Lamb. And outside of that blood, we cannot be released from the authority and dominion of darkness. 
There's no release. There's no setting free. There's no chains being broken outside of that. Now, one of the things that we see in this passage is the the blood being precious. And I want to ask you, is the blood precious to you? Is the blood precious to you? How precious is it to you? You know, the, you remember the story of the woman with the alabaster box? They said that that, that that was a precious ointment, a precious ointment. And they were all really angry because this woman decided to lavish her precious alabaster on the feet of Christ. It was something that was so precious. They say that it was estimated to be three years worth of, of, of living wages. That's how precious it was. And, and, and she so loved Christ, she was willing to let that go because he was more precious than it. You know what? There's, there's things in our lives, there's things in our lives that we probably would say kind of rival our faith kind of rival our faith there are things in our life that that we may not verbally say it but we may live it that it's more precious to us than jesus you see a lot of times in religion a lot of times in religion people will use things like a 12-step program a 12-step program can't set you free it can it it cannot the only thing that sets you free is the blood you're you're not you've not been redeemed by a program you've not been redeemed by a person you've been redeemed by the lord jesus christ and his shed blood and that and that alone it's it's not to knock those things but it's to get you to look above those things to look at what truly can redeem you but a lot of times people will try to try to live for the lord in their own strength when the blood has not been precious to them and there will come a crossroads in their life where they will begin to um they will begin to esteem something else more precious than jesus so you might say, well, what can that be? Well, sometimes it's a job. Sometimes it's a relationship. Sometimes it's a family member or, you know, a, a, an addiction, whatever it may be. Maybe it's a belief in a denomination, but sometimes we just have those issues that are more precious to us, but we may not verbalize it that way. Sometimes people say, well, you know what? I was going to church and, you know, my wife left me and I'm just tired. Of, I, you know, i Well, hold on. Don't let your relationship be more precious to you than the blood of Jesus. The thing that will sustain you when life has devastated you is the precious blood of Jesus. You see, the corruptible things of this life can and will devastate you. The the lives can be destroyed and turned upside down in a moment's notice. The corruptible things can and will be corrupted. Jobs, relationships, finances, those things are corruptible. And God is calling you to look at the blood of Jesus once again with new eyes. To esteem that blood as precious to your soul.
as precious to your soul. You see, that's something that you don't have to go to a conference to get. You don't have to buy DVDs or you don't have to go through Bible studies and get book. You don't have to buy somebody's book. You just have to get back in the word of God and look up those places about the blood of Jesus and just let the word of God speak to you once again and open your heart and open your mind and remind you of the simplicity and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why Paul said God didn't send him to baptize but to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation. There is no other way that we can be saved except through that blood. When that blood's been applied to our soul, and if that blood's been applied to your soul, the devil has no authority over your life. The authority that he had is broken through an incorruptible means and only an incorruptible means. If you look to things that are corruptible, you are allowing him to establish inroads back into your life. And so we see here that he said that it was with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and spot. Now this, that's reminding you to think back it's reminding you to think back of the Levitical law. Anytime a lamb was sacrificed in the Levitical Passover, the lamb had to be without blemish. Now, here's the reality. When you, when you think about this, when, when God is calling Jesus a lamb, understand no other person could say they were a blemishless lamb. Everybody else, we've been blemished. You've probably been blemished in the few minutes you listen to this. We've all been blemished. We, we all, we have those thoughts. We have those worldly passions. We mess up. We stump our toe. We do things. We're not blemishless in and of ourselves. But Christ is. Christ is. It says that he was without spot and without blemish. Nobody has ever lived on this earth except for Jesus and could say they were without spot. Everybody else, every single one of us have been spotted. That's why the Bible tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that just... What that does is what we call, that makes the cross equal territory, equal footing. We're all equal at the cross because we're all in need of a savior. Even if all you did was steal bubble gum, you probably still thought worse than that. You might say, well, I, you know what? I, I've been pretty good lately. Well, okay, but you still spotted. <laughs> you still spotted. And the only thing, the only thing, that, the only hope that you have is something that has not been tainted by sin. Amen. Now, this is where it gets good. Because, see, when, when we look at things in this life, everything that we can touch, taste, feel, see with our eyes, everything around us has been tainted by sin. But at Calvary, there was blood shed and that shed blood was incorruptible, meaning that blood had no sin 
in it. Jesus didn't even have a thought that was ungodly or unholy. When his shed blood was, was, was rolling down Calvary's cross, that blood was the only thing that was incorruptible that this world has ever seen. When that blood touched that wooden cross, that wooden cross never seen anything. You might say, well, the air is incorruptible. No, it's not. It's corrupted. The sunset, it's pretty, but it goes down. It's corrupted. The sun's going to go away one day. Earth's going to burn up one day. You know, our, our generation, they're always worried about climate change and all that kind of stuff. They, they change the target on everything. The climate's going to change when the Lord comes back, though. And then there's going to be a day when the whole earth burns up. It says he destroyed it the first time in water. The second time he's going to destroy it with holy fire. And so one of the things that I want you to see is that it was that precious blood um, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Now look at this verse 20. Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world but was manifest in these last times for you. Now this tells us the gospel story because the plan of the Savior was foreordained before the earth was founded. What that tells us, there's a couple of things that we want to look at as, as we look at this incorruptible blood, okay? With, without, the, without the blood being incorruptible, you and I are still going to be enslaved and under the dominion of the devil. But if something incorruptible has been applied to your soul, it releases you from the hold the devil had. Now, how is it that Christ's blood is incorruptible? Well, let's, let's talk about the Lord. So it says that, that this lamb, right, this plan was from the foundation of the earth. That means that Jesus, and we see this in Scripture, John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the very beginning, before this earth existed, Jesus existed. Before there was a sun, moon, and stars, before there was a clock, before there was time, before there was anything, Jesus existed. He was in the beginning with God, and he was God. And the Bible says that from that point, he planned to be the redeemer of a fallen creation. At that point. So Jesus has always existed. And the Bible says that when he created the earth, he called it good. He put Adam and Eve in the garden and they sinned and sin infected all of mankind from that point forward. Just because you are a human, you've been infected. Every single thing that has been touched by humanity has been infected by corruption except for one. See, the Bible tells us in Isaiah that there is a prophecy. The prophecy was a child 
right? A child would be born, but a son would be given. The son given and the child born is the very same person. And that prophecies about Jesus Christ, the son given always existed. And when God saw Adam and Eve fall in the garden, when they said, in dying you will die, God never intended for death to, to happen to his creation. But when man rebelled, it was infected by that sin nature. And so God said, I'm going to send the son and a child's going to be born. When the child was born, remember we sing, hark the herald angels sing. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. That's when the God of eternity entered humanity. That's when the God from ages past became flesh and he donned humanity. And the thing about him is he lived a perfect and sinless life and he went to Calvary as that perfect lamb sacrificed for our sins. Without, listen, that blood that rolled down that cross was, is, and always will be precious. Was, is, and always will what, we sing, what we're going to sing about in glory. And it, it always has been and it still is the one and only thing that breaks the authority and dominion of the devil in your life. You cannot have that bondage broken through a corruptible means. And everything, listen, everything short of the blood of God incarnate has been corrupted. That's the only thing that has ever existed in this world, this earth, the only thing that's ever existed in this earth that was not tainted by sin is Jesus. And it's because he existed before the fall. He existed before the earth was created. He was pre-incarnate. He, he pre-existed this world. And he's always been God. And so through that incorruptible blood, we are atoned for. We are atoned for. Now, look at this next verse. Verse number 21. Uh, 21 it says who by him who by him do believe in God that he raised him up from the dead do you believe that do you believe Jesus died and rose from the dead do you believe that that tomb is empty do you believe that amen do you believe that you can go see Buddha's tomb and he's still there you can go see Muhammad's tomb he's still there you can go see Confucius's tomb. You can go see everybody else's tomb. But you know whose tomb's empty? Jesus Christ. You can knock, but ain't nobody home. He's on the throne. Amen? He's on the throne. He's on the throne. So praise God for that. I said, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory. Right? You remember when he prayed that in John 17? Give me that glory that I had with you in the beginning. He received that glory, that, that is that, that triumphal return. When the price was paid 
to redeem you and me from the devil. When that price was paid and Christ was raised from the dead, all of heaven said, oh, praise God, welcome the king home. The king has returned and he has returned victorious, triumphing over death, hell, and the grave. The king stands victorious today. And when he entered back into heaven and he said, it's done, don't you know all those angels sang? If they sang when he came here, don't you know they rejoiced even more when he went back, amen? And he received that glory back, amen? Because you know, people here, some of them rejected him, some of them spit on him, some slapped his face, some petitioned him to be crucified, and some participated in his death. They didn't see who he was. But when he went back to glory, when he went back to heaven's gates, they swung open and they said, the king has returned. Amen. They said, the king has returned. So he received back that glory. And then it says that your faith and hope might be in God. Do you see that? God did it this way. You know, God redeemed you and me with something incorruptible so that your faith and your hope won't be built on anything less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. He, 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 he redeemed you with something you can't touch, that you can't buy, that you can't lay claim to, that you don't have authority over. It has authority over you, and it has authority over this world. He redeemed you with something that calls you to put faith and hope in God. It's no part of our own. We don't add anything to it. We're not playing tic-tac-toe with God for salvation. God did it, and we got to believe it so that he applies the blood to the soul. And when he does, the devil's got to release control over you. Just like, just like God told Moses, you go and you tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Jesus came to Egypt called the world, and he told the devil to let my people go. And God has opened the doors. He flung them wide open, and he said, the way's been made. If you'll go, God will take you home. God will take you home. God has called you to walk in the freedom that he bought for you. God has called you to walk in that freedom. How silly would it be for those Israelites to stay back in Egypt and try to, try to start a civil war against the Pharaoh when God, through the Passover, opened the door to set them free? God did it his way because our way never works. God did it his way because with us, there's no hope. But God redeemed you and me with something incorruptible. That's that precious blood that nobody likes to talk about anymore. When God redeemed you with that incorruptible blood, he called you to put your faith and hope in something greater than yourself, greater than your church denomination, greater than your works, greater than your gifts, greater than your calling, greater than your aspirations, greater than anything in your imagination. He called you to put faith and hope in him and in his work, and that alone is what redeems us. Isn't God good? 
We've been redeemed, praise the Lord. The Bible says in, in Psalm 107, it says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Amen. I mean, just say, I've been redeemed. I've been bought. Amen. I've been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. Not been bought with something corruptible. I didn't buy my, I didn't buy my freedom and you didn't either. Jesus did. Jesus, Jesus bought it, didn't he? Amen. And you know what? If you haven't received that, I want you to know that you have an opportunity while there's still breath in your body to receive that blood and have it applied to your soul so that the devil has no more dominion over you. If you've got that incorruptible blood applied to your soul, he translates you from one kingdom to another. Now, to the average eye, they can't see that. The average person can't understand it. The people that haven't been redeemed, they don't know what you're talking about. What kingdom you talking about? We, we playing risk? What are we doing? Play, talking about kingdoms. God calls you from one spiritual kingdom into another spiritual kingdom through the incorruptible blood of the Lamb. Let me close over there in Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. We'll, we'll start with verse number 12. Colossians 1 verse 12. Aren't you glad that God loves you so much? You know, God didn't have to redeem us, but he chose to. He chose to. And he loved us in that redemption work. Amen. Nevertheless, not my will, thy will be done. The Bible says in John 3, 16, that God so loved the world. Amen. God so loved the world. You know what that, that represents is helpless humanity. Without God intervening, we would just die and go to hell because we were of Adam's race. If you're a human, you didn't ask to get born. You just got born. And because you're a human, you have destiny with death. But God intervened to give you hope of eternal life. God intervened to give you hope of eternal life. Jesus said that those that believe in him, though he were dead, yet shall he live. If you just simply believe in Jesus, though you may die in the flesh, yet shall you live. And, 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 and that's been taught all through the Bible. You might say, well, that's New Testament. No, Job even taught that. Job even taught. He said, even after I die, my flesh is going to see the Lord. Job taught the same thing. Job knew more than most preachers do today. Look, look, look at verse number 12, Colossians 1, 12. It said, giving thanks. When was the last time you did that, right? And not for yourself, right? Not this kind. Giving thanks unto the Father which had made us meet or able to, be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Now understand, in light of redemptions that we just talked about, in light of that redemption, there is an inheritance 
of the saints. That inheritance is heaven. You, you're going to inherit one of two things for eternity. Either eternal damnation or eternal glory. Eternal life. You're going as soon as this life is over, and it could be over today. As soon as this life is over, you're going to inherit something. You're either going to inherit what the devil and his angels inherit, or you're going to inherit what the saints inherit. And that all boils down to whether that incorruptible blood has been applied to your soul. So he said he made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who, talking about God, has delivered us from the power of darkness and had translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Do you see that? You've been translated or you can be. You either have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the one of his dear son or you can be. If you will apply that blood, that incorruptible blood that redeems you and, and gives you the forgiveness of your sins. The sad reality is a lot of us have heard a bloodless gospel for too long and we've put our hopes in our church attendance in the fact that maybe we're not as bad as our neighbor. We, we're trying harder. I talked to somebody the other day sharing the gospel. Well, I'm a good person. Yeah, but you're not God. Amen. You might be good in your eyes, but God has a holy standard and there's only one person that's ever met it and his name is Jesus Christ. It, it, and it's through that blood being applied, I want you to get this, it delivers you. It delivers you. If, if, if you're in need of deliverance, you get delivered the same way you get saved. There's no step two. There's no faith squared there's no volume two to, to, to it. You are redeemed, set free, delivered, and the hand of the enemy is released. His authority is relinquished off your life when the blood, the incorruptible blood of the lamb is applied to the soul. And God said he did it that way so that your faith is not in anything in this world but in God. Amen. Amen. Let's pray.